You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message, but before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. And always do it by faith. Your promise was that if I would open my mouth wide, you would feel it. And I trust in that and I trust in your faithfulness that you'll feed your people and you'll feed me as well. Thank you, Abba. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew changed the format a little bit. Uh, I'm used to another song before we do this, get myself ready, and he didn't give me one. So now I'm going to sing one for you. Amen. Kidding. <laughs> Not my call, I stay in my lane. Romans 4, uh, 5 and 6 says this, that whoever tries to earn, paraphrasing, whoever tries to earn, earn anything from God, whatever they get, it's a debt that has been paid. But whoever trusts in a God who justifies the ungodly, it is counted to him for righteousness. In a nutshell, what does it mean? That if we trust in the Lord, not because we are so good and because we kept the law, but we just trust in his goodness, in his salvation, God counts it to us for righteousness. It's a picture of grace. Romans 4, 5, and 6 is a picture of grace. Now, we're going to do a conference in July, and it's called Daughters of Sarah. So even though I'm somewhere else in my study in the Word, I go back every once in a while and look at Abraham and look at Sarah just to keep everything fresh. And I was reading about Abraham, and God began to show me some things that I hadn't seen. So it's something we've studied for years, but maybe the Lord will speak something new to you today, or maybe he'll just affirm something that you've been thinking about. In Genesis, when Abraham started out, his father took him out of the land of Ur, and he was headed to Canaan. Good thing. You know, even without the Lord, sometimes we can have good ideas. And he was headed to Canaan. He had Abraham and his crew. But he stopped in a place called Haran, H-A-R-A-N. Stopped. Didn't make it to Canaan. And Haran means state of the dead. It means a place that is lacking. Doesn't have everything you need. And he stopped there. Without the wisdom of the Lord, you won't make it to your destination. You may head that way. You may have good intentions, but you won't necessarily make it. I submit to you, you won't make it at all. So when God shows up on the scene and begins to talk to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want you to get up. Let's, in fact, let's start the first one. Then Adonai said to Abraham, and I'm studying out of a Tree of Life Bible that the Jewish people wrote, so you'll see different names. Then Adonai said to Abraham, Get going out from your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And this is very important. He says, My heart's desire is to make you into a great nation, 
to bless you, to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you. Next one. But whoever curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So he tells him, he says, I got a desire to do something for you that you've never experienced before. Now, you've heard me talk through the years about the book of Hosea, one of my favorite books. And when God wants you to do something, he doesn't frighten you with consequences. He lures you. He entices you. If you remember in the book of Hosea, Gomer had done everything wrong. And God tells her husband, Hosea, I want you to go by her back, take her out in the wilderness and speak tenderly to her, entice her, tell her I still love her. In spite of everything she's done, entice her like a lure, like when you go fishing, you put a lure in the water to tempt the fish. He said, entice her, lure her to come back to me. The Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. He wants you to repent. Doesn't give you a car wreck. Doesn't give you a disease. He entices you with his goodness. So he wants Abraham to be willing to step out and do something that he's never done before. Go somewhere he's never, he doesn't even know where he's going. And take your family with you. Can you imagine telling the wife, I don't know where we're going. Just pack. Most women, we need some kind of security here. We need to know something. I remember years ago when Leon and I were struggling and I would say, how are we going to pay the water bill? I don't know. We're going to trust God. No. How are we paying the water bill? We're going to trust God. Didn't bring me a lot of comfort, but, but they're supposed to cut it off tomorrow. Women like security. And he comes to him, and he lures him, and he entices him. He says, these are my plans for you. So that as Abraham is packing and getting everybody ready, he has this, this comfort that God, God's got a plan. He's got a plan. So Abraham went just as Adonai had spoken to him, and also Lot went with him. Ah, uh, first mistake. Lot wasn't supposed to go. Now, Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He's leaving the place of lack, and he's following God now. Abraham took Sarai, his wife, um, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions that they had acquired, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. Okay, so more people have joined him. He's already being blessed. And they left to go to the land of Canaan, and they entered the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land as far as the place of Shechem, as far as Mori's big tree, and the Canaanites were in the land then. And you know, it's so awesome to think about it. And I've actually seen some of the, the mountains where the giants were. And why were they there? They were building their houses that they were going to live in. They were taking care of the vineyards that they were going to eat from. So sometimes we go, but they're giants, and i got to face this. They're working for you. They're working for you. Then Adonai appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your seed. So there he built an altar to Adonai, 
who had appeared to him. And from there he moved to the mountain to the east of Bethel and erected his tent with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east, or Ai. And there he built an altar to Adonai and called on the name of Adonai, which is another word for Yahweh, which is Lord. So Abraham kept on journeying southward, and there was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to live as an outsider there because the famine was severe in the land. And just as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, Look, please, I know that you are an attractive woman. So when the Egyptians see you, they'll say, This is his wife, and they'll kill me, but they'll let, but they'll let live. And don't turn, stay there for a minute. He goes down because there's a famine in the land into Egypt. You know, in the book of Ruth, that was the mistake her father-in-law made. You never leave the house of, of God of bread and praise to go down into Egypt for food. God took care of his people. And in the book of Ruth, Naomi had to take Ruth out and go back home because God had taken care of his people. You never go to the world for your provision. You just don't do it. So he goes down into Egypt. And already his thinking is starting to get cloudy. Because he's gone to the world for provision. And he says he begins to reason there, natural reasoning. You're pretty, Sarah. And I'm concerned for my life. And he begins to reason. He says, and the Egyptians, they'll say, this is his wife. And they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. Who told him that? Who told God told him earlier, I got all these plans for you. Who said the Egyptians would stop God's plan for him? But he's in natural reasoning now. And he's in fear. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is it working? So, Ab- so Abraham, but, okay. Please say that you are my sister so that I'll be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. All I can say simply is this. If Leon came to me and told me, I need you to cover me at any cost. Because if he says, if she says I'm his sister, then that leaves her wide open. (laughs) And if my husband came to me and said, cover me at any cost, it would not go well. He would probably have to sleep with one hour. I'm just being real. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians did see that the woman was very beautiful. And indeed, Pharaoh's officials saw her and they raved about her to Pharaoh. And then the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Well, your body is satisfied with the fruit of your lips. I'll leave that Proverbs. You speak it. Good chances might come to pass. But Abram was treated well for her sake, and he got sheep, 
Now she's, she's somewhat captive in Pharaoh's house. But Abraham was treated well for her sake, for her. He got sheep, cattle, male donkeys, male and female slaves, male donkeys and camels. All for her. All for her. But Adonai struck Pharaoh and his household with the great plague, with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So not only was he hovering and watching over Abram, he was watching over Sarah. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the conference that's coming up. But he was watching over her and he did it for her sake. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what's this that you did to me? Why didn't you tell me that she's your wife? Somewhere he figured this out. Things just aren't going well for me. Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now here is your wife. Take and go. Then Pharaoh instructed men concerning him, and they expelled him with his wife and everything that belonged to him. Everything that belonged to him. So what happens under grace? You have a man that lies. You have a man that is not the covering for his wife that he should be. You have a man that his main concern is for himself. And yet, what happens under grace? He is blessed beyond measure. And God even protects his wife that he's not protecting. And then he's released. And then he's released under grace. Under grace. Keep going. Before we get to that, go back. A lot happens in between. A lot happens in between we get to 20, because what I wanted to show you were the two times that Abraham lied and wanted and asked Sarah to be a part of his lie, two times. But I wanted to show you what happens under grace because that's the new covenant. And I have people in my life, friends, and I try to talk about grace. Oh, I know grace. I heard about grace, and they know the word. And the first time they blow it, I mean, they just walk under condemnation. I'm like, you're kidding, right? Was the blood not powerful enough to cover that? Or was powerful for this, but not for that? And they walk around in guilt. I don't do guilt. The Bible says, if he's the one who justified me, who's the one who would condemn me? So I don't even work on condemning myself. He's my justifier. But so many people, I know grace, I know grace. And I was talking about it to Leon even coming to church. I said, it's such a serious thing, understanding grace. Because when you step out of here, 
Okay, we all having a warm and fuzzy. We're in the presence of the Lord and each other. But when you step out here, it's a real world. And if you don't understand that I am covered by the blood, God will never be angry with me. He will only deliver me. The enemy will clean your clock. He will clean your clock. And so a lot happens in between. And somehow, you, it's, it's amazing to me. You know, Abraham gets blessed with all this stuff, and they leave. But I'm going to tell you something. If it were me, I'm just, I think I'm a typical woman. Every time I looked at those donkeys that Abraham, Abram got because of me, I would have an issue. I would go, if he tried to say, look how many we got, I'd be like, how did we get them? So God had to bring them, he had to deliver them, deliver the marriage. He was delivering a whole lot of things with the two of them. And yet, they were under grace. So a lot of things happen, and we'll talk about a little bit of them. First, he separates from Lot, finally. Then he has to rescue Lot. Then he cuts a covenant, and he tells him to go out, and can you count the stars? And of course, he can't. He said, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Can you imagine the God of creation says, that's how many descendants you're going to have? And the Bible says, because he believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness, simply because he believed him. He believed he was that big. I'm going to tell you what God gets a kick out of. When you say, you're big enough to do this. You're big enough to do that. Whenever you reach a point in your life concerning anything, you God, I think you're big enough to do this. He gets a kick out of that. And he counted to him for righteousness. And yet, with all of these promises, he still makes another mistake. Hagar. Hagar. And Sarah, who was delivered from Pharaoh, she makes one too because she comes. You know what she said to him? She said, Adonai has prevented me from having a child. What a mistake. How many of us, when we go through hard times, we try to blame it on God? Adonai has prevented me. It wasn't her time, it wasn't her season. You know, I turned on the TV the other day and Joseph Prince said, if you're believing for something that hasn't manifested yet, it's only because he's making it beautiful. He's making it beautiful. And you wanted it yesterday, but he's making it even more beautiful. T.D. Jakes, one of his favorite sermons of mine was, delay is not denied. Don't be deceived. So she goes to him and she says, Adonai has prevented me from having a child. 
And so I got a plan. And even with all the promises of the Lord, he agreed. And we're still paying the price today. He comes to him in chapter 17 and he says one of my favorite names. He says, I'm El Shaddai. And I love that name. It has so many meanings. He doesn't come and say, I'm Yahweh, I'm Adonai, I'm Elohim. He says, I am El Shaddai, the many-breasted one. I got enough for you and everybody else. El Shaddai, I'm the one that's more than enough. More than enough. You would be happy with enough, but I'm always more. El Shaddai, I am the one that if what you need doesn't exist, I create it. I'm not limited to what you see. And he comes to him because he doesn't have a child at this point. He's tried to make one and did it out of season and did everything he was supposed to do. He had a plan. He says, I need you to know who I am. I'm El Shaddai. And he tells them, he says, my heart's desire is to make my covenant between me and you. And then I will multiply you exceedingly much. It's going to run all out the cup, all over the table, more than what you could ever dream of. And he's enticing him again. He's enticing him. Because he's had to walk and didn't know where he was going and had to deal with Sarah. Had to deal with her heartache. Had some of his own. Had to deal with his fears about the places and the people he was meeting. Would they be hostile? And God is luring him. I still got a plan. I still got a plan. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you see. I don't care how things fail. I still got a plan to multiply you and bless you exceedingly. In 1715, God also said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name by Sarai. Brother Sarah is her name. And I will bless her and moreover, and in addition, I will give you a son from her. I will bless her and she will rise. She will give rise to nations and kings of people will come from her. I have a plan for Sarah. So he entices Abram and he entices Sarah as well. And then as you move through Genesis, Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed and some other things are happening. And now we come to the next time. You would think, after all these face-to-face encounters with God and all these promises and all these deliverances and all these male and female camels and male and female donkeys and all the things that God has done, and yet he's human and he's subject to like passions just as we are. I remember Brother Onaconda said something one time to me. He said, Wanda, he said, did you know that the most dangerous place you can be is on the mountaintop? And I said, why? 
He said, because we're so busy up there dancing, sometimes we neglect what we did to get to the mountain. We're so busy dancing, we forgot that we prayed all night. We forgot that we worshiped with tears streaming down our face. We forgot that we crawled when we couldn't walk. We're so busy dancing. He said sometimes it can be the most dangerous place. So here's Abram, and he's been successful, and he's had these encounters with the Lord, and the Lord loves him. Lord's cut covenant. And we come to another situation. His wife is still pretty. In fact, as she got older, I'm going to submit to you, she got even more beautiful. Hello. All under grace. I remember reading a book. I cut my teeth on Kenneth Hagin when I came to the Lord years ago. And I forget the name, Godliness is Profitable. That was the name of the book. And he said, if you'll notice that when people come to the Lord, years are taken off of their face. Years. Why? Because salvation erases the guilt. It erases the worry. You're able to sleep at night. I'm forgiven. I'm blessed. I'm loved. And how much more under grace does he renew us to the days of our youth? Because we don't have to wake up and perform. I don't have to impress God. He already loves me. He's impressed with Jesus. I get the benefits. So I'm going to submit to you, Sarah was probably even prettier now than she was when Pharaoh met her. And what is Abraham going to do? Abraham, he's going to lie again. (laughs) Let's look at it. Then Abraham journeyed from there to the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur while he was dwelling as an outsider in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. Did you know a half-truth is a lie? Just saying. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream at night and said to him, Behold, you are as good as dead because of the woman whom you have taken, since she is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not come near her, so he said, My Lord, will you slay a nation, even though innocent? Didn't he say to me, She's my sister, and she herself even said, He's my brother. I did this with integrity of my heart and guiltlessness of my hands. This is so powerful. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I myself knew what you, that you did this with the integrity of your heart. So I, yes, I myself prevented you from sinning against me. That is why I did not allow you to touch her. What did he say? Hold on. What did he say? He said, I kept you from sinning against me. What? She was Abraham's wife. Did you know that when somebody comes against you, God takes it personally? It's personal to him. What? 
You came against my baby? What? It's personal. He said, I kept you from sinning against me. He and I, we in covenant. He said, that's why I didn't allow you to touch her. Go ahead. So now, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And let him pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, know that you will surely die, you and all who are yours. This is powerful. God could have given so many adjectives to describe a man that has betrayed his wife and even betrayed the Lord, and he didn't. He could have said he's a liar. He hadn't been faithful to me. The list could go on. You know how he identified him? He said, give the wife back because he's a prophet. He's a prophet. Under grace. Under grace. God vindicates, he covers your failures and proclaims your victories. He proclaims who you are in his eyes. Your failures are not an issue for him. When you study the whole book of Proverbs, he doesn't list where they blew it. He lists where they got it right. He says, my babies and my trophies, let me tell you what they did. You know, when we put pictures up of our families, we don't find our children. We don't find the worst one. We go through, what's the best picture? Because I'm going to put it on my wall. I don't want where the eyes looking over here. And the, I want the best picture. I was the same way. He chose to identify a man that had betrayed his wife and betrayed him and had gotten in fear and was lying and doing everything else. He said, give the wife back. He's my prophet. Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants and spoke all these words in their ears. And the men were very frightened. Then Abimelech called to Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us, and how have I sinned against you that you brought this great sin upon me and my kingdom? You've done to me things that should not be done. Abimelech also said to Abraham, what motivated you to do this thing? Well, we know fear. Abraham said, because I thought there's certainly no fear of God in this place, so they'll kill me because of my wife. Fear. And besides, she really is my sister. He's still lying. What's that got to do with anything? Besides, she really is my sister. Where is the repentance here? She really is my sister. Well, she's also your wife. She really is my sister. She's my father's daughter, though not my mother's daughter. Then she became my wife. So when God made me wander, stop. God doesn't make you do anything. Even salvation is a choice. You can say, I choose Jesus or I reject him. I have family members that I am standing for even at this very moment who laugh at the name of Jesus, my Savior. And I'm still standing and still believing that they will not step over into eternity without him. 
but everything is a choice. Following Jesus is a choice. Trusting God is a choice. Resting in the finished work of Christ is a choice. Now, he'll entice you. Choose life. I said before you, life and death, choose life. Let me tell you why. I want to bless you exceedingly. I want to bless you beyond measure. He'll entice you. But here Abraham is still lying. God made me wander. He told you what he wanted to do for you, Abraham. And at that moment you believed him. God made me wander away from my father's house. And I said to her, this is your loyalty that you must show me. In every place we go, say of me, he is my brother. Can you imagine that your husband, speaking to the ladies, and your husband says to you, you got to be loyal to me now. Forget the Lord. Cover me. It's supposed to be the other way around. He's supposed to be covering me. I got a lot of respect for Sarah. Okay? I'm going to shake her hand when I see her. Then Abimelech took sheep, even after the lie, and even after the deception. Abimelech took sheep, cattle, male slaves, female slaves, and gave them to Abraham and returned his wife Sarah, Sarah to him. And then Abimelech said, look, my land is before you. Dwell wherever it pleases you. And gives him land too. Is there another one? And at the same time he took Sarah, look, I've given a thousand shekels to your brother. He's being sarcastic. Look, it's compensation for everything that happened. So to everyone with you, you are vindicated. Under grace, our failures are vindicated. And I have them. I have them. I have them. I have those moments, those days where I'll see a mountain and I say, who is this great mountain that is still before me? Before me, it'll become a mere molehill and I shout, grace, grace, Ted. And I can't be moved. And then I have those moments where I have to fall into somebody's arms. Like Miss Ozell, and she has to hold me up and tell me God is faithful. I don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop. I don't know anybody that does. And God puts his story here. He puts his story here. To show us that it doesn't matter if you don't have a mountaintop to mountaintop experience. Even in your failures, he'll still call you his prophet. He'll still call you his baby. My apostle. My prophetess. Mine. I have on my dresser. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He vindicates your failures and praises your faith.
Then Abraham prayed to God and healed Abimelech. It had to be Abraham to pray, right? Just like Job, who was condemned by his friends. God had to tell him, if Job doesn't pray for you, you're in trouble. You thought Job had the issue, but if he doesn't pray for you, you're in trouble. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female slaves so that they could bear children. For Adonai had completely locked up every womb in Abimelech's house because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Is there any more? Go back. Go back. That is the level that God will fight for you under grace. But I'm going to submit to you, this was Old Testament. This was before Jesus came. How much more now that his son has come and shed his blood and suffered for us, can we expect vindication? Can we expect to be blessed exceedingly? How much more? I'm reading a book that uh, Matthew gave me, Finding the Lost, I believe is the name. It's the guy who wrote Seeing Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. And the book is, is it's blowing me away. And I'm at a part, and he's actually, I think, comparing Psalm 23 to Luke 15. And it's about the Good Shepherd. But anyway, he, he makes a statement. He asks a question. He said, in the Old Testament, why did God deliver? Why would God deliver his people? And when you study the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Hosea, God makes it clear. It's because he loves them. He loves us. He loved them. That's one reason he delivered. But then when you study the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Ezekiel, he gives another reason. He says, it's not for your sake. It's for my name's sake. Let's look at it. Two reasons God delivers. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says Adonai Elohim, I do not this, I do not do this for your sake. He's talking about deliverance and restoration. I do not do this for your sake, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations wherever you went. So they blew it. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I'm Adonai, covenant-keeping God. They'll know that I'm Adonai. It's a declaration of Adonai when I am sanctified in you before their eyes. Let me tell you what he's saying. Because I looked up all kind of translations. He's saying, because you are associated with me, because you are my belonging, even though you fail, my name is attached to you. And I am going to demonstrate to everybody looking at you how I restore, how I provide, how I protect, so that they'll know my holiness and my goodness because I take care of you. 
Do I love you? Yes. But my name is also on you. And he says, I'm going to use you an example so that the nations, the people will see what a good God I am. And he's going to use us to entice them. Even though, even though you may blow it. And especially when you blow it, then they'll see my ability to restore. And I had to close the book. I went, oh, oh. There's a provision at every turn, whether I get it right or whether I get it wrong. And how much more now that Jesus has come can I expect to be blessed and protected and vindicated and restored? How much more? How much more? It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Abba, thank you. Your love is beyond finding out. It'll be eternity and we'll still be understanding and learning and being taught about how much you love us. Jesus, how much you love us. But for the part that we understand now, we're grateful. We're grateful and we thank you. And we thank you for teaching us about grace. We can finally exhale and rest in the finished work of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.